Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Nerdy Misfits podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Connor. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, welcome back. We have what we hope to be not really a series, because I don't think we're going to be doing it over and over and over again, but it's going to be a reoccurring theme, I would say, for us um, on different episodes. But we're going to be doing our first top five. How's that sound to you, Matt? I'm, I'm excited, man. Honestly, to give you guys the listeners thing, we don't know what is on each other's lists. This is completely, we made these lists in private, so this whole episode is just going to be us talking about what our top five Marvel storylines are in comics. Um, we're going to be talking about like what number five is for each of us first, we'll converse, and then we'll go on to both of our fours, threes, twos. Honorable mentions, if we got one. If not, we'll just go right into number one. That's fair, yep. Um, and we hope to be doing this for other series as well. Right now we're doing Marvel stories for comics. Obviously that leaves the giant opening that probably there will be a DC version. Yes, and potentially talking about the movies in a different episode as well. And you never know, we might do other top fives of stuff, maybe Star Shonen, Wars films. Star Wars, Shonen Jump, like the the yep. list the top fives are endless. It's it's definitely just, you know, it's a good it's a good I think it's a good way for me and Matt to kind of see where each other are at when it comes to the things because Matt's obviously way more into comics based on, um, if you guys, if this is your first podcast you're catching of, of us, um, Matt is definitely the comic guru in this in this tandem, in this duo. Meanwhile, Connor is very much the anime manga expert. So for us, it, I think it'll be interesting to see what each other has on their top five list respectively for those. So we think this will be the first of hopefully many if you guys like it. Do you want to start, Connor? What is your, on your Marvel comic book storylines, what is your number five and why? Uh, my number five is Death of Wolverine. Ooh, okay. It's one of the first, well, it's it's short, but it's, nonetheless, it's one of the first complete storylines I collected as a comic book. And honestly, it was, Wolverine's always been a character I liked growing up. Obviously, like the X-Men films and stuff, like how could you not love Hugh Jackman, you know? I mean, look at him with Ryan Reynolds. They're adorable. You can't, you can't, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. What a duo. What a great, just love couple. <laughs> but, um, obviously Wolverine's a awesome character. He's an awesome character. Yeah. I, I, like, he's such a cool character, cool powers. And when I heard that he was dying, because at the time that was, that was what was hyped up, I was like, as someone who was just getting into comics, I was like, wait, what? How can they kill this man who's pretty immortal? Wait <laughs> yeah, a second. It's like, it's like, what do you mean? And they had the holographic covers. Oh, it was so cool. And I think for me, it was just, it was a story that was short. And it was like four issues. There was like a five or six issues leading into it, I think. But yeah, the actual story was But four I feel like issues. what made it good was that you didn't need to know a lot. You could have been a new reader, like me, and you could have picked it up, read it as its own story, and been like, whoa. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's really anything else to say. Like, I, I, that's how I genuinely felt. I was like, whoa, that was not what I was expecting, but also cool. That's fair. Because you, you've read Death of Wolverine. Yeah, 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 I've read Death of Wolverine. I've seen, I, when I had my comics, um, I had the issues that had the front covers of him slowly losing his claws. It was like a three months left to Wolverine die. And he had like his three claws. Oh, like claws, the countdown. The yeah. countdown, yeah. And then two months, he only had two claws left. And they were like exploding. Kind of thing like that, so it was super cool that way. Um, but yeah, no, I read Death of Wolverine as well, yeah. Great storyline. It kind of makes you want to read, like, when you read it, too, it makes you almost 
want to read like Old Man Logan and stuff too, like because you're just like, wow, what a cool character. What what a great character, just outside of just the Hugh Jackman appearance, like. Well, and outside of just all of the X Men and stuff too, like Wolverine as a whole is just a. He's a very complicated and interesting character. character. Yeah, for sure. 100%. How about you, Matt? What's on your what's on your what's 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 Matt's number five? A superior Spider-Man. Mm. Which I I'm assuming is somewhere on your list because I know you're a big Spider-Man fan. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, my number five is Superior Spider-Man. For those who don't know, it was a story written by Dan Slott. I don't want to go into too much detail because I know Connor will go off about it as well. Yeah, Dan Slott's a great writer. But Dan Slott, phenomenal writer for Spider-Man, especially. Um, basically, Superior Spider-Man is literally the consciousness of Dr. Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Doc Ock. His consciousness is in Peter Parker's body, and it goes on, I think, for 32 issues or so. Around there, I think there's five or six volumes. Six volumes, if you include the couple issues they had with the whole Spider-Verse storyline. They're really skinny. They're really skinny. They are. But, yeah. And overpriced. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Marvel, but for for how small they are, they're a little expensive. But they know people were going to buy it, so they knew what they were doing. But yeah, yeah, great story. It's like, yeah, I think it's seven volumes. I think it's, yes, something like that. Yeah, six or seven volumes. Um, but great story. And, like, it was something that you got to see more, like, an intense version of Spider-Man, too. You kind of saw, suit. like, new suit. He had, like, these little, like, claws almost at the edge of the fingertips. It was, like, yeah, like, the Iron Spider-esque. And then the but thing, darker. The thing that made it cool also was, like, literally the name is, is Doc Ock's goal was to be the superior, superior Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And he took that to a T where he's like, I'm going to have a better life than Peter Parker had as, his, as himself. Going to finish college for him, <laughs> I'm going to be a better Spider-Man. I'm going to have a better Spider-Man suit. Like, Going to open his own company. Like, man he took, did man, so much man for Peter. took it to heart. <laughs> exactly. He was truly the superior Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, moving on to number fours. Do you want me to go first with this one? Or? Oh, I can go. Yeah, what's your number four? So for me, number four is probably Civil War. Okay. The original Civil War storyline. Yep. I think it's always cool to see the um, the good guys disagree. You know, like, I think that always having the good guys just agree with everything is not realistic. Whether you're heroes or not, there's going to be conflict. And I think that the way, in my opinion, I thought the way that Civil War, the comic, was done was done better than the MCU. I do think that the MCU was good, and they the they had to make it relatable to how the MCU, as the story progressed, like how they would relate and why things were going to happen, like why the Sokovia Accords and stuff were created. Like, that made sense for them. But when it came to the actual comic, obviously they can, it can be a lot more complex and layered. And I just liked the idea that it made sense to me in my head. Like, okay, like, if it was real life, yeah, you can't just have vigilantes, really, right? Like, it makes sense, honestly. Plain and simple, honestly. Like, they the what I also enjoyed with Civil War, personally, is the fact that it was really, like you said, like, you're watching heroes fight each other, almost. You're like, because they're disarguing about, like, their ethics and morals, really. Like, what is right versus what is legal. And both of them have good right. points. Exactly. For sure. Like, there's... I Both sides have valid points, and they're fighting for what they believe in. It's just crazy that it's heroes... Versus against heroes. Hero. Yeah, yeah, against one another. And, like, Tony Stark is a dick. Like, everyone knows that, and that's just the character he is. And Captain America, Steve Rogers, is 
it's kind of too much on the good side like goody goody like oh well like we're doing good things like why should we have to do this and like they both have good points but they also are so dumb and other points as well like and i just what i enjoyed about it was also being a spider-man fan like spider-man has a huge part to play like spider-man unmasking himself in that it's a big part of that's that iconic right exactly. and that's a and that and for tony's side that's the biggest deal ever that's why like when spider-man for the mcu was gotten for civil war and like through sony and stuff everyone's hyped and i was thinking but we don't know like spider-man's not important yeah no like, one's gonna be like oh my gosh peter parker this kid from queens yeah and, and they like, never yeah. do unmask him right for but cool. for me that was one of the most iconic parts of the story yeah you know exactly and, and him switching sides after that right when tony yeah. crosses when everything when tony crosses the line and stuff and obviously cap just anyone that ended up changing sides caps takes in because you know that's just who captain america exactly. is but overall i would say it's just a fun but complicated story and i i enjoy the complexity of why they're fighting and kind of like the politics behind that i think is interesting but also i do enjoy when the heroes do disagree i think that that is something that doesn't happen enough in uh, in comics. That's fair. Or I guess it does now. but It does nowadays, but also, yeah, at that point. But it was, like, very unheard of that heroes versus heroes was going to actually be a thing, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, like, also why I'm sure potentially on your list will be X-Men versus Avengers. Potentially. But that's those stories are definitely... They're eye-catching. They are. I agree. They're definitely, like, something that makes you go, ooh, that's different. Which is why they can't do it too much either, because then it's exactly, overdone. Exactly, yeah, because then it just becomes like the norm of It'll become oh, stale, yeah, yeah. Another storyline where the heroes are fighting the heroes. Oh hero. my gosh. Oh, wow. That is fair, man. Alright, so my number four is something you briefly mentioned for your number five, actually. My number four is Old Man Logan. Mm, yep, yep. Of course, me being the big X-Men fan that I am, love the Old Man Logan universe as a whole. A lot of people don't know that there's Old Man Logan... Followed by Dead Man Logan. There's also an Old Man Quill, an Old Man Hawkeye, and there's another like follow-up ending to that called The Avengers of the Wastelands. Oh, I thought they were gonna call it the Old Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> no, because all the Avengers are dead. <laughs> oh, rough, rough. <laughs> um, but no, I think it was a very interesting take in the fact that your Wolverine is pretty much a same mortal character that can't necessarily die. Like we've seen him die a couple times over the years, but he keeps coming back. You know. Yep. And you put him now super old. You jump 50 years essentially into the future almost where all the heroes are dead and the entire world is just taken over by villains and Wolverine's just trying to live his life as a farmer just in the middle <laughs> of nowhere and he's just trying to have his good old life and then things hit the fan and next thing you know he's got to bust out those claws again and it's just a great like alternate take on a futuristic story. Which then obviously eventually inspired the Logan film. Like that older version of Wolverine who just not necessarily just wants to die, but just wants to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They did. They, I feel like they didn't capture that too in the Logan film. They did. I agree. They Wolverine did wanting it. to be left alone. Exactly. And I don't want to spoil too much about Old Man Logan, but like the reason why the mutants and the heroes aren't around anymore is dark and it was a least yeah it was a plot twist that i didn't expect especially because i didn't read only logan until after logan came out didn't you 
you read it we oh what was the storyline was it um it was like one of the big marvel crossover events that they were doing at the time was it Secret Wars 3? Secret Wars 3, I believe, yeah. And then, like, they had the yeah. Old Man Logan come yeah. into the universe. Old that's Man when you, Logan, and that's, yeah. And they had that, like, one shot of it. Yeah, he had a five-issue story because in Battle World during Secret Wars 3, they had all these different universes built into this map, essentially. Yep. And Old Man Logan, like, climbed over, went into the Marvel Zombies one for a quick sec, and then jumped into, like, I think there was, like, a symbiote one as well. Until by the end of Secret Wars 3, Old Man Logan actually ended up being in the main continuity for a yeah, bit. in the 616. Yeah, he had his own series for that, and then he ended up getting pushed back into his own time, which was then, he had a 12-issue storyline called Dead Man Logan. Yeah. And it was like a proper send-off for the Old Man Logan character. But regardless, it's just a great, like, great storyline for any Marvel X-Men fan or, like, Logan Wolverine fan. Like, that is definitely a must-read. It's like an iconic sure. Marvel story. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. So for me, this is one... Number three. This one is one that... It's definitely not controversial, but it's definitely one that's a little bit more out there for me. Especially that Matt might think is out there for me. But mine would probably be the Dark Phoenix Saga. Really? Okay. And I haven't read too many X-Men comics to... um, but I remember the Dark Phoenix saga, I enjoyed more via like a video that kind of went through all the pan. Like it went through the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole story arc, but also the YouTuber went through how they, cause they read it and they were like talking about their own feelings and whatnot. But I think I never expected it to be as dark as it was and how it covered a lot of like topics that people are even too scared to cover today which it makes it even more incredible that this story came out in the 80s i'm pretty sure i think so yeah mid 80s or so, so it makes it even more crazy to me like some of the content that is covered because uh, it's not well it's funny to me because marvel just seems like when you think of marvel versus dc you think dc is just like so much darker it's got that so little bit of grittier. edge yeah dc's got this edge and you're like marvel's like oh look at all these pretty colors oh, family friendly family friendly and then you actually start getting into the mythos of Marvel and you're like, there's some messed people up are stuff. just dying left, right, and center. Like, what are they doing here? I'd say that just the overall, the following of like Gene kind of losing it is both scary because, you, you know, there's like, it makes you think of like the, everyone's got that dark side within, like that dark part of them. Obviously within Gene, it happens to be an actual entity. The Phoenix entity itself. But... It's it's crazy, like, the strain it has on her relationships and how too much power can be a bad thing, you know? Well, it's insane, right? Because it's something that's arguably relatable, too, right? Because it's, you like you said, like, you're seeing, like, everyone kind of has, like, this darker side of them, right? For sure. And even inside the Marvel Universe, you're seeing all these, like, teenagers, kids in their early 20s with all these mutant powers... And how are they supposed to be able to control it? So obviously they're going to go a little unhinged from time to time. For sure. But moving on to my number third. I don't. My number third? My number third. My top three. My number third. Three, number trois. This is one I don't think you would expect me to have on this because I don't even know if you know too much about this one. Um, It is literally from about four years ago now. And it's from the Avengers 2018 lineup. It's the one I'm currently reading right now. 
but it's the first volume is called the final host where we get introduced to the avengers of the 1 million bc so also known as the prehistoric avengers mm. and it sounds so weird and so cheesy but on this team you have akamoto himself um as the doctor strange character you have the first ever king of wakanda you have the first ever iron fist i think i remember you telling me i think i briefly told you about this yeah we have the first ever phoenix entity like coming to earth and possessing like a cave lady you have odin there with mjolnir being like the thor aspect um you have a star brand and then my personal favorite character of this is ghost rider but he's riding a mammoth yeah, you've definitely told me. See, you know what I have issue with with stories like this? Hmm. With the old, this goes for like the Justice Society kind of thing too, is I hate the idea that like the Avengers is this thing that came up, but then they make it seem like the Avengers has always been a thing. I hate when like that kind of happens because canically in terms of like, why doesn't anyone know that? Yeah, like, that's fair. Why yeah. wouldn't Odin be like, oh, you're part of an Earth team like I was? Like, what, why Odin's not going to mention that? Like, Well, I mean, they kind of did talk about it in the final host on, like, reason why they don't talk about it and everything like that. And it has oh, to they do have with, a pinky swear or what? Have, yeah, definitely. Well, most of them are dead, obviously. Like, of that entire group, like, mm-hmm. we know that there's a newer spirit of a vengeance, obviously. The kings of Wakanda have been passed around. Agumon long dead in the Source Supreme lore. Like, all these characters are dead except for Odin, so... It's part of, like, they kind of talk briefly throughout the series that, like, Odin is left with this guilt, knowing that he's the last one alive of this group. Okay. And they talk about it throughout it that they didn't even get along. They didn't really want to be a team, but they had to join together to stop a Celestial. And, like, it kind of talk it ties a lot in with the Celestials and everything like that. And even with going, comparing that to the modern day avengers team that was kind of being created yeah loki found out about this whole like celestial and like the dark celestials he's like i'm gonna remake the avengers oh, team oh no not loki right. doing something like that crazy eh? so he like kind of like gets a group to try and like come together to make this avengers team and everything like that but it's just something something new and added to the marvel lore mm-hmm. which may che- seem cheesy but realistically speaking there would have had to have been a first Iron Fist. There would have had to been the first King Wakanda. There would have had to have been that first Ghost Rider. Like, it didn't just... Like, the cowboy Ghost of, Avenge, Ghost of like the Spirit of Vengeance, that was definitely not the first one, obviously, right? Right. So it kind of added a lot of lore to be like, you know, I guess it could make sense that there could have been a mammoth riding Ghost Rider or... You know what I mean? For sure. Or obviously, like, Thor, during that time would have been younger and would have been bouncing between Midgard and everything like that and just having a good old time. You know what I mean? They talk about briefly during this time how Odin's like a huge drunk and stuff too, so. But I don't know, it's something different and it just added a lot of mythos to what the current like Marvel comics is going with. But yeah, figured throw something different on there too, you know? Something also recent, more recent. Yeah, exactly. Something like, yeah, last couple years. So we got the top two left. What is in your two spot? Is it Superior Spider-Man? And number two is Superior Spider-Man. What? No. Which, obviously, we've already covered. But, yeah, for me, um, being a less Marvel fan, I guess, in terms of the comics and stuff, and reading far less than Matt, um, and just being a massive Spider-Man fan, I thought that Superior Spider-Man was a very unique take. I know that at the time when Dan Slott killed quotations peter parker people were unhappy to say the least 
But the way he took the Superior Spider-Man route and the way Doc Ock and even the consciousness of Peter being there in the in the background, I thought it was so well done and it was something it was a re- it was a real breath of fresh air with the character. You know, I feel like I feel like Dan Slott, he had a story to tell and he told it. And I feel like, you know, whether no matter how much hate and how many death threats he got, he told the story he wanted to tell when it came to Superior, and I think he did a fantastic job of telling it. I agree, and with Dan Slott alone with writing Spider-Man, like, they're like, I felt like at one point they're like, Dan Slott, just do whatever you want. He's like, alright, I want to get every single Spider-Man from any continuity, multiverse, we're gonna make an entire story about that. Actually, fun fact, we, I went to, I forget what year it was, but I went, when I went to Fan Expo in Toronto, Dan Slott was one of the, um one of the writers mm-hmm. that was uh, featured and i went to go get um a couple couple books signed actually i think i only got one book signed but i got one of my spider-man um comics signed by him i think it was the amazing spider-man when they like did the reboot went back to number one yep can't remember if it was that i got signed or if it was the final issue of amazing spider-man before they went to number one like before the, oh, I think it was like 700. 700, yeah, with the Venom kind yeah. of cover and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it was, I can't remember which one. I would have to check my comic books, but it was one of those that I got Dan Slott to sign. But while we were in line, it was a big line, to say the least. Um, he was working on Spider Verse at the time. That's crazy. Not writing, not like currently writing it, like it wasn't being released, but he was telling us about it. And he's like, he was like, no one record this. And like, he made sure that like people put their phones down. And he told the story about like his pitch to Mar- like to, to the writers and the staff and being like, this is what I want to do. And it was pretty cool. It was surreal to see Dan Slopping and he was hyped. Yeah. Like it's a great story line. He he is a passionate man for the, the, the writing he's doing. Like he it was like a kid in like a candy factory, like in terms of like the excitement on his face telling all the fans about the Spider-Verse and his idea and how like he's like and then when they said like when they green lit it, he was just like I was like what? Like, what's happening? <laughs> Sounds like Dan Slott. <laughs> but I'm not surprised. I knew Superior... I'm very curious what your number one is then, because mm. I half expected Superior Spider-Man. Part of me thinks I know what number one is, but we're not going to mention it, because obviously that's your job. Um, but my number two is something you also mentioned in a previous one, is Avengers vs. X-Men. <laughs> this storyline is intense, right from the get-go right to the very end tensions are high the tensions are high people get divorced after this people are getting divorced because of this in real life in the comics (laughs) all of the above what side are you taking (laughs) but it was so cool because you had the phoenix entity come back to earth and you just have five x-men just stand in front of it at the last second and you have like emma frost you got cyclops magic namor you have just all these different mutants with the power of the Phoenix Force, essentially unstoppable, right? And it's one of those things that the Avengers wanted to protect someone, and the X-Men are like, no, we want to protect her because she's one of our own kind of thing, which obviously created the conflict of Avengers versus X-Men. But right down to the very end, like, I remember I got the feels right at the end when they make a hardcore decision, which I don't want to spoil it in case you were because. In case you haven't read it, you definitely should if you're a Marvel fan. I, I mean, I think I've said that for almost all the things I've suggested. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a spoiler warning. Yeah, we'll right. do a spoiler warning here. And then you know, we'll, we, so if you're if you haven't read it and you want to read it, 
This is your this is your opportunity to pause. Skip like thirty seconds ahead, you and know. So Matt can say it. But like they kill off Charles Xavier at the end. Scott just murks him with the little raise you know, just laser beam. She kills Captain like Captain Wow. Kills Charles Xavier. Yep. And it's just the line of like, Scott, you were like a son to me and everything like that, and just Scott being like, You were never my dad and just intense ruthless ruthless and it's just intense and yeah that's the end of the spoiler warning there yeah so that, that hit you in the feels that it, it hits me in the feels honestly that entire storyline overall and the artwork is great would you say that that is the most like heart-wrenching you felt reading a comic Ooh, that's a good question i think so honestly because it was something because in marvel dc whatever comics you read they never want to just, like, unless it's, like, certain characters, like Batman's parents, Uncle Ben. Right. You know, unless it's, like, core characters that need to stay dead. It was very unheard of that they were, like, we're just going to kill this big character. Yeah. Like, and just like an leave character. it for a good few years. Because I think that particular character came back, I think, two years ago. So I think it was, like, a good, like, six years that that character was just gone. Well, he was gone for a bit, remember... Well, without spoiling it again, but he was, like, part of that character was inside another character. Oh, but yeah, I got a little, a little convoluted, but that's excellent for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, a. Uh... But, yeah, so he has returned. Yeah, now. he has returned in the present. And whatever Marvel Pikmin. way they do, whatever it, way they do. You know, Marvel be Marvel, you know, no character really stays dead. But Yeah, that's the stayed... classic, that's the classic comic. But he stayed dead for more than two years, so that's a win for me. That's fair. <laughs> All right, do you have any honorable mentions? I don't have really any honorable mentions for Marvel stories. I think, um, I thought was honestly, I'd probably put X Men, uh, like the X Men versus Avengers. That, that yep. would be um, one of the few, another one of the few X Men stories that Matt has forced me to read. But like, but enjoy but, it. Yeah, but like, obviously, it's not like I didn't like it while reading it. Um, I've read a couple classic stories too, like Death of the Stacys, like that arc. Um, for Spider-Man, which was which was good and also kind of like, it does hit you in the feels. Obviously, you know what's happening, but it's just like that, like, what would you do? Yeah. Dilemma kind of thing. Um, I've read stuff like the Infinity Gauntlet and Ultron, and they're both... They're not bad. They're good. There's a reason why they're popular. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, they just didn't do it for me. So for me, I guess, yeah, my honorable mention would probably go to... To the X-Men versus the Avengers. Okay, okay. Personally, there's two that comes to mind that I wanted to throw on this list, but I just couldn't fit it. Like, if it was a top ten list, they've definitely been it. One of them is the Agent Venom storyline they did for a bit. Oh, yeah. Matt loves the symbiotes. Loves the symbiotes. Both my honorable mentions are both symbiote Because they're annoyingly complicated. That's why Matt loves... Matt loves all the stuff that's, like, complicated. Green Lan Lantern Corpse, Matt loves Super it. complicated, if you don't know it. loves them. Convoluted. I love it. Um... <laughs> But no, yeah, so Agent Venom, you got Flash Thompson, the high school bully from Peter Parker's high school, becoming this symbiote character, and the design is great, the storyline is great, and then my other honorable mention would probably be a storyline called Lethal Protector. It is the Venom storyline after Carnage has been created, but it's when part of Venom gets kidnapped by the Life Foundation. Mm. It's kind of what they inspired the Venom movie, Okay. but basically they end up getting part of the Venom symbiote, and... They end up taking five separate strands to make five new symbiotes. And I think those symbiotes are still alive in the main continuity right now. But that's like Screech, 
Scorn. I'm trying to remember the other ones on the top of my head. But it's, there's like a purple one, a yellow one, an orange one, a green one. Um, but if you're a fan of the Venom symbiotes and everything like that, definitely check out Lethal Protector. There's a novelization of it, or there's a graphic novel version of it. But as a Marvel fan, if you love the symbiotes and you haven't read it, give it a try. But anyways, we're moving on to our number ones of our Marvel comic book stores, our favorite ones. Connor, what is your number one? What do you th- What do you think my number one is? I'm I'm thinking it's Spider Verse. It's, it's Spider Verse. Yep. So my number one goes to the Amazing Spider Man, the Spider Verse. Um, for me, it was definitely when I was in the thick of it in terms of collecting comics. I'd already already been reading Spider Man for a while, and it was something that, like I said, mentioned before, Fan Expo had Dan Slott hyping it up before it was even like confirmed writing kind of thing um and for me it was just it was it was a big i don't know i don't want to say big deal but for me it was like something cool to that like i was actually super hyped for in terms of comics like you know it was like that first like holy crap this is gonna be cool it's a big storyline and like the build-up to it was cool because we had the introduction of um silk yeah which epic spider suit by the way for those who don't know who silk is um, got introduced in the original Sin storyline. Basically, there was a girl that was there near Peter when he got bit by the spider. She also got bit by the spider and kind of went on her own journey. Great, great character. Something newer to the mythos of Marvel that I don't think really had too much hate until she got her own series. Yeah. The series sure. was kind of iffy, but... Yeah. Her, her, her own series is... Yeah, I collected it for a bit and it just wasn't for me. But I loved her introduction originally when she was, like, in The Amazing Spider-Man when they um, introduced her. And, like, her dynamic with Peter and stuff is very interesting. So, cool suit also, like I mentioned, like, if if you've got a cool look, like, you've already, you're already, I'm already, like, over half sold, you know? Spider-Gwen. Same. Spider-Gwen, unreal. Like, if I was to pick a Marvel waifu, that's Spider-Gwen, yeah. Also, Ghost Spider. Not from Into the Spider-Verse, though. No, not from Into the Spider-Verse, no, no, no. That more, more like what the original comic, um, yeah. like her comic introduction. Would but, Spider-Gwen be your favorite Spider-Man that I get, like, from Spider-Verse? Or do you have, like, a favorite outside of, like, the main Marvel 616 Yeah, other than 616, um, Peter Parker, you know, I'm a big fan of the OG. Um, I would probably say, yeah, Spider-Gwen is... Spider-Gwen. And I love Spider-Gwen's story, too, with Peter. Like, the dynamic of her universe with Peter is very interesting. Like, I... You feel like Peter, in her sense, would, would be, like, the Os- like Harry Osborn, right? Like, he would probably take on, like, the Goblin-esque. Well, I think in Spider-Gwen's world, Peter became the lizard, right? Yes, he became the lizard. That's why it would have been cool, like, you would have thought, like, your first thought would be that, oh, if Peter is, like, her best friend or her friend, that they would be, um... You know, it would be like the Goblin taking over that kind of yeah, exactly. Harry Osborn-esque role for her. But yeah, the Lizard was different. Like, this is uh, unexpected that different would, take. That, that would be the take they, they go for Peter Parker. But going more into the Spider-Verse, the thing I liked was they had all the one-shots introducing all the different mm-hmm. Spider-Verse characters. Edge of Spider-Verse, I think yep. it was called. And that was a good way of getting an introduction to all the characters. And then the going into the actual story which was something i I wasn't super familiar with the inheritors as a um villain and they are some messed up (laughs) 
<laughs> messed up family of villains. And, like, they're crazy. And, like, the uh, when the villains are good and the heroes we're following are good, like, it's hard to fail, you know? Like, and, and why do you think, like, the, the, the actual Into the Spider-Verse movie is so popular? It's because it's so cool. It's so cool to, and funny and interesting to see all these different Spider-Man characters doing their thing. No, I 100% agree. And I think, um, like, personally, because we read Spider-Verse essentially at the same time, and we were always... Like, yeah, because we were both collecting it yeah, and reading it, yeah. And we were sure. just talking about it. And I think it was interesting, too, where with Spider-Verse, if you didn't relate with one Spider-Man, you would relate with another. Yeah, you know, and you can a definitely... a little bit of everything. Well, I remember, like, talking, like, you really liked uh, Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, Spider-Man right? Noir, the 1930s style spider so it is it's true like if they there's a spider-man for everyone there's a spider monkey <laughs> there's a spider-man for everyone you know like if you don't like one then you're gonna like one exactly obviously it also stemmed other cool stuff like the venom was it there was a venom verse too right or something yeah yeah so there was a venom verse edge of venom verse an actual venom verse and then there was a sequel called venomized so it's it sparked other similar series obviously when you introduce the multiverse and yeah. Things get can get complicated, and then it just you know, once just... once Marvel sees some money, then they're gonna do it with everyone. But and it did. I think the popularity of the com of the comic made it possible to do that animated movie, and the animated movie was great. Successful. It may have, it may have not focused entirely on Peter, which is fine. I liked. I think Miles is a super interesting character from his own standpoint, and I thought it was cool that it wasn't just the story, like the Spider Verse story. I know that there were some people who were complaining that. What's the point of doing an adaptation of a story, but then not following the story? But it was fine. I liked it from Miles. It was close enough where you still got to see the, some of the Spider-Man you, you know and liked from the comic book. And it was fun. It was a fun movie. And I don't think we would have anything that cool without Dan Slott's uh, contribution. I think it's a good time also to, to make note that later this year we were getting a new storyline, a follow-up to all that called The End of Spider-Verse. Yes. Also written by Dan Slott, so we know it's going to be good. Yes, that is... Kind of scared for it, not going to lie, because it feels like part of me is like it's the end of almost like an era. I'm not actively connecting comic books, collecting comic books, but it almost makes me want to actively collect that series. Particularly that series, definitely. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll update you guys if that's what end up me and Matt end up doing, but definitely interested in reading it for sure to see what Dan Slott has in, has in store for us. Has in his little pocket. All right, Matt. On, right. on to you. What What do you think my top one is? I Honestly, don't know if... I would have thought it would have been the Avengers vs. X-Men. I'm not going to lie. I thought okay. that that was going to be your number one. Really? Okay. Well, my number one is a storyline called Battle of the Atom. Ah, uh, Battle of the Atom. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. This is one I... Ta- like, when I was reading, I talked Matt doesn't about shut it. up about it. Yeah, that's a fair. Lot. I should have known that. I should have known once it wasn't on the list. <laughs> yeah, you're like, why? Where is this? No, um, Battle of the Atom is a continuation almost of what happens at the end of avengers versus x-men without going into too much detail present day beast goes back in time to get the original five x-men pre-blue beast wouldn't be x-men without time travel exactly and there's literally in the battle of the atom graphic novel there's literally a joke about that where iceman goes well we wouldn't be the x-men if we're not doing something stupid with the timeline which is 100 percent accurate very self-aware exactly but you literally have the five original X-Men. For those people who don't know who the original five X-Men was, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Iceman, Angel, 
and a human-looking beast. Just had big hands, big arms, no blue fur yet. What a beast. What a beast. But Beast present day ends up bringing the original five X-Men to the present time. All heck goes loose, and two separate future X-Men teams come from the future to the present time to be like, y'all need to fix what the heck you're doing. And they all have a giant brawl. The best part about it is that Iceman is on all four teams, so you get to see four very different versions of Iceman. And I think this is when present-day Iceman fully understands that he is an Omega-level mutant, where he realizes that he's literally able to conjure up life out of, like, Elsa style from Frozen, like, really able to, like, create life out of snow and ice and really able to understand that he can literally manipulate the water molecules right down to freezing someone from the inside out essentially like he is it's like a bloodbender almost like a bloodbender almost (laughs) kind of thing you know his power is more than just what he initially thought exactly but it's great honestly and it's for me being a huge x-men fan love me seeing alternate versions of characters bring the og and literally just have everyone be like what the heck is going on why is there so many mutants of so on and so forth you get to see other future versions of other characters including colossus with a handlebar mustache oh um so that's always a fun one too but definitely yeah just it's a good story who's the the writer for that don't know on the top of my head it was before jonathan hickman took over the x-men mantle let me just see here quick but Jonathan Hickman has been doing a lot for the X-Men community. Oh, this makes sense. It was Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, okay. Who was a big writer inside Marvel Comics. He wrote some of the Ultimate Spider-Man. He did the bit of Daredevil over the year. He wrote House of M, I believe. Mm-hmm. Same with Secret Invasion. Did Aider of Ultron, Civil War II. He helped out on all these big projects over the years. So it makes sense on why Battle of the Atom is so good. Yep. For sure. Because you have a strong writer. It's similar to Dan Slott, right? Like, if Dan Slott didn't write Spider-Verse, who would? It wouldn't be a strong story. Unless it was another big writer. For sure. And Dan Slott definitely feels like, you know, at the time, Marvel was like, do what you you want. Yeah, exactly. Like, after after Superior, which you can make an argument is one of the most controversial things Dan Slott did, I feel like after the success of that, Marvel was like, you know what? We trust you. You Do whatever you you want, want, dude. It, which is ironic because it kind of reminds me of Stan Lee when he first created Spider-Man where everyone was like, the sidekick can't be the hero. Like, this is ridiculous. This is not going to sell. And then here we are later this year, the 1,000, 1,000, like the, I don't even know what how to pronounce that really. Like the thousandth issue of Spider-Man is coming out later this year. And like, obviously one of the highest what most successful he has successful the most in, movies he, next to batman and probably i'm sure in terms of money made in terms of memorabilia and stuff he's right up Everything, there yeah i mean there was even like the japanese spider-man you have all the animated shows over the years yep all the animated shows all the movies all the mem- memorabilia and stuff you can get for him i mean every kid probably has dressed up for halloween every i feel like almost every boy has dressed up as spider-man at halloween. least once Either for Halloween or for our costume party, something. Like, like somebody, everyone... And everyone knows who he is. Exactly. Everyone knows Spider-Man. You're not going to go somewhere and be like, what's with that weird web-looking face? Yeah, like, it feels like, know. for the most part, you can almost go anywhere and they're going to know who Spider-Man is. That's how well-known and worldwide exactly. he is. But yeah, in conclusion, there is our top five Marvel storylines. Do you want to go over it one more time? What our, what yeah, our top five yeah. list actually so was? My top five 
was number five, Superior Spider-Man, number four, Old Man Logan, number three, Avengers of the One Million BC, a.k.a. the Prehistoric Avengers, specifically Volume 1, The Final Host, number two, Avengers vs. X-Men, and number one, Battle of the Atom. Yep, and mine was uh, Death of Wolverine, then going into Civil War, The Dark Phoenix Saga, Superior Spider-Man, and ending off with the Spider-Verse. Good old Spider-Verse. Awesome. But in conclusion, guys, remember to always drop a review. Let us know if there's anything you want to talk about in future episodes. What are your guys' top five for Marvel storylines? Yeah, let we, us know. Definitely. Let us know your top five for Marvel storylines. I'm intrigued to see what you guys are reading, if it's current stuff or if it's past stuff. And let us know what your guys' opinion is on our top five. Do you think Spider-Verse or Battle of the Atom are good storylines? Like, do they even belong in your personal top five? You can comment anywhere you can find us, either on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the YouTube, and you can always catch us doing more Nerdy Misfit podcast episodes here on Spotify for new episodes and content. Remember, I'm Matt. And I'm Connor. We'll talk to you guys soon.